just stay standing. We're going to read scripture pretty soon. Um, but how many know that there are encounters, encounters that we have, um, but we don't really know what to do with them? You ever been there? You had, you had, you had one experience, one encounter. Um, and you don't know what, what's next, what, what, what your life is going to look like after, after that encounter, after that experience. Um, and, and, I, and I think, I, I believe that, that, that what the Lord's doing in this house, um, even as you guys gather corporately, the Lord is giving these, come on, it's, it's, it's like these personal encounters, these personal experiences with people. And these personal encounters are changing families and are changing trajectories and backgrounds. And, and what that's doing, in essence, is the encounter is giving you a language to what's going to look like the, how the next five to ten years. So you don't, Esther, um, you, don't, you, you don't underestimate or belittle the power of one person's impact and one person's encounter here. Because one encounter sets the tone, the pace, and gives you the language to carry you into what the Lord's going to do next. It's called the future. And a lot of times we talk about the future uh, uh, without much clarity, without much direction, because we've never been there. And what happens, the Lord gives us an encounter and allows us to experience. And I believe one of the things that we're experiencing um, if you're connected to the Holy Spirit in, in the body, is that we are experiencing um, a love like no other in this hour. We are seeing the love of God totally reshape the history of the ecclesia. The church is never the same when they encounter the love of Abba. And I believe one of the things that the Lord is doing in this house, he's given us the language to preach, teach, and model what love looks like throughout not just this region. Come on. But it's going to echo. It's going to echo. And we're going to be the restorers, come on, of the way of love. We're going to repair the breach. Come on. We're going to go into the waste places, into the places where no one wants to go anymore. And we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to be demonstrators. We're going to represent God's love here on this earth. And I believe that's what God is doing here in Christ Uncensored. I believe that's what he's doing. Your encounter is giving you the language so that you can articulate and you can talk and you can shout it out and you can think on the realm that you're encountering a lot of times what happens is we encounter things and and and, and they seep through right through us we begin to leak it out we can't sustain what we've encountered and i believe that god is bringing just powerful a powerful move of his spirit and it's going to give us the language so we won't just be after a vision statement or a mission statement this is actually going to become a lifestyle here in this house called the DNA and and I, and I and I've only gone to a few churches where I have felt that DNA is, has been discovered and whenever you whenever you find a house that DNA has been discovered you stay there you move with it yeah. you you move with it this is Alaska Alaska Street what's the what's the county Richmond Richmond County, right? Richmond County. So, uh, you know, I, I, being the thinker that I am, I, I, I looked up the word Richmond. Uh, automatically, we look at the word rich. And so I, I looked up the word Richmond because I said, Where, what's, the, what's the county here? What's the county? What's the county? And um, Google said that, that, that the county is called Richmond. Well, the word Richmond, the word Richmond is an old English word, and it means 
protector of the king. We go home right now. We go home right now. <laughs> Wrap it up. Bring the car, brother. We good. <laughs> um, it means protector of the king. Why did I look that up? I looked it up because the Lord said, what's coming, what's in here is coming out. It's coming out. It's coming out. It's, it's, it's going to come out these walls here because it won't be able to be contained here. I believe, I believe Kuhau has been assigned to Richmond County to protect the reputation of the king. That has been, amen. That has been stained and tainted by religion, by legalism, by the mixture that's been happening within the body of Christ. I believe God is saying, can I trust this house to protect the king? Can I, can I trust this house? Here and here, right here in Richmond County, the Lord's going to do such a supernatural thing. And I believe this house, this house would be the initiators of what God's going to do. I really believe that because, because it's an organic house because you've been trusted with growth. You, you can be trusted. You can be trusted. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for just allowing us to be here this evening, Lord. We pray that you would have your way. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can have a seat. Thank you. You play that piano like that, and then I, we're, just, we're just here prophesying for three hours, man. So <laughs> we eventually got to preach. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, man of God. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. All, all right. Let me gather my thoughts. Exodus 19. Exodus 19. It's good to see some people familiar in the house uh, I, I, that I met at Matrix. Amen. At the Matrix retreat. Come on. Amen. I see you. I see you. That's not a joke. Um, yeah, I, and I just want to say, um, just want to just honor publicly my amazing friends, Pastor Thomas and Amory. Um, I know, I know. I know, when you say their name, it, it, it gets like that. I know, it's emotional and celebratory. Um, I just want to thank them for, you know, I, you know, they knew that we were coming down, and they opened our, their home to us. Um, so they've been hosting us there. And um, like Pastor Thomas told me once, man, I felt like the prophet Elijah, you know, and the women came and prepared me a room with a lamp and a table and a chair. <laughs> right? Um, so just thank you guys. Um, you guys are, you guys are, 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 are gold, gold, gold for me. And uh, so thank you guys for the transparency and the relationship. Pastor George, thank you. Thank you as well for having me this morning at, at Ignite. 
Man, how many were at Ignite this morning? Wow. 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 You know, Pastor, Pastor Thomas Amory and my wife and I were talking here last night, and there's something about finding your, your tribe. I don't know what other way to say it. You find your tribe, you find your clan, you find your network. It's not a click, but, um, you know, you find those who are cut from the same strain that you are, you know, are, are flowing in the same pipeline, same conduit. And it's rare, but if you wait patiently, God will bring you the right people. And um, so I just want to thank Pastor George for just being who you are and for allowing me to come into even your home couple months couple months ago or, or before the year was over so thank you guys and Pastor Sulma you guys are amazing I could be here all day just greeting and uh, but we we want to hear the word of the Lord tonight um, Exodus 19 Exodus 19 amen um, verse 16 Pastor Reuben happy birthday man I don't know what you got in that big envelope or whatnot but um just share it with me later right <laughs> Amen. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very, tr and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Verse 17. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Amen. I, I just want to draw our attention to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I believe you guys have been in a series called Outpour, right? Outpour, Outpouring? Which, which one? Outpour? All right. Outpouring, excuse me. Um, and so I'll be closing, I believe, the series out. So thank you so much for just giving me the honor to have the pressure of closing a series. Um, I'm always delighted to do that. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 1, very familiar portion of Scripture. Um, verse 1 and 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, verse 3, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can we go back to verse 2? Just want to reference one, um, one, one phrase here. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty, somebody shout, rushing wind. Amen. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And I want to tag this text tonight, the rush. So if you're taking notes, I want you just to write that down on your notebooks, your iPad, your notepad. The rush, the rush, the rush. And, and I believe, 
I, I believe we're going to talk about some things and preach about and teach about some things in these next few moments that I have with you that, that you perhaps have already heard or you already know. Um, but I promise you, we're going to get somewhere that you've never been because I've never been there. And so we, we're going to go on this journey together tonight. Um, it was 49 days, 49 days since Passover, 49 days since Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross just outside the walls of Jerusalem. And the followers of Jesus were meeting together in what the Bible calls the upper room, or another version would say the upper chamber of the house. That's found in Acts chapter 2. The next holy day on Israel's calendar was the festival of weeks, also known as Shavuot in Hebrew, which was originally a, a harvest festival. It was, it was called the festival or the feast of harvest. Later, the day was also used, so they used that day as well to remember the day where God gave the law or the Torah to Moses on the mountaintop, Mount Sinai. Um, which day are we talking about? We're talking about the day of Pentecost. The English word of Pentecost, I'm just giving you some historical facts, biblical facts on what we're going to preach on tonight, um, just for the sake of building our platform. The English word Pentecost comes from a Greek word meaning 50 or 50th day. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. The reason it's called the Festival of Weeks is because it's, it's literally that. It's the 50 weeks after, uh, or, or rather, excuse me, it is, um, it is the, uh, the 50 days after uh, Passover. The first Pentecost, as we've read here in Exodus 20, the first Pentecost was experienced by Moses in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai. And if we, look at, if we look at Exodus 20 and we look at Exodus 19 even before that, actually you can read Exodus 19, you can read Exodus 20, you can read Exodus 32, you can read Exodus 34. Um, but for the sake of just narrowing it down, if you look in the Old Testament at Pentecost, Exodus 19 and 32 gives us a biblical reference and a biblical uh, 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 picture of what happened at Pentecost in the Old Testament. Now, I, I want us to look at Exodus, if we can go back. I want us to look at Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and um, I want us to look at a, verses 18 through 21, because I really want to reference this, because it's important for us to understand what was the expression of God's people when they heard God's voice for the first time. Verse 18 of Exodus 20, or, or of, of Exodus uh, 19, excuse me, says, now, mine, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. As we, as we begin to see here, things externally began to take a different form when the eternal one was manifest. So there was a shaking, there was a trembling. Things naturally were altered because something supernatural had just appeared. That's verse 18. Now let's go to verse 19. What's verse 19 says? It says, And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Now I need us to understand this, because this is the interpretation of God's people. This is not how God heard, or how Moses heard God. 
We need to understand this because it's important that not everyone hears God the same way. The people heard thunder, God, Moses heard God. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. That's not, that's not Moses' uh, interpretation of it. Moses, God spoke to Moses and Moses heard God. The people, by the time they hear God speak, they're not on the mountaintop, they're down below. They're in the valley. They're hearing thunder. And I want you to hear this, verse 20. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, verse 20, you know, Exodus, Exodus 20, excuse me. Exodus 20. Exodus chapter 20. Is that Exodus 19? Let's look at Exodus 20 then, real quick. You don't have it? Okay. It's okay. We got it. I'm sorry for that. Come on. You know, I'm just referencing because sometimes we think that we just say things, right? Just to say them, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring it here. Now, here, verse uh, Exodus 20 verse 18 this is what it says now all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking the people this is exodus chapter 20 verse 18 says now the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off see the confusion sometimes in between amen thank you it's in Exodus 19 and Exodus 20 is that they reference the same story, but they add a little bit more oomph in, in, in Exodus 20, right? And so the mountains were smoking. The people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar. Verse 19, and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood afar while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The children of Israel, when God began to speak, the Bible says that the mountains began to smoke up, the, earth, the, the ground began to tremble. They heard the thunder, they got fearful, they got scared. And the Bible says they went afar. In other words, they got some distance from what they were hearing because they weren't ready to encounter the very thing that Moses was encountering. Now, I want you to hear this. They were fearful and they hid away. I need us to understand that the reason they were fearful and the reason they hid away is because this is Exodus 18, Exodus 19, Exodus 20. These are the first few depictions of Israel being set free from slavery. So we must understand that now Moses is dealing with people who have been freshly delivered. Like, like, like they were brand new. They had no idea who God was. They had no idea how the voice of God sounded. They had no idea, they had no idea that God's presence can come and get and be manifested in the way that it manifests with smoke and lightning and thunder and the mountains begin to tremble before the voice of God. These are people that up to that very moment, if we're talking about Pentecost, it means that they had only been delivered for 50 days. So in other words, we're talking about a people 
who, who have only been 50 days since they've been set free from 400 years of slavery. I feel like I'm teaching in Matrix right now. <laughs> right? So, so can we just see that? Because there is, this, there is this ratio that doesn't add up. 400 years of slavery in Egypt, 50 days only be, that, that, that I've been set free from captivity. So the, the, the very first thing that I hear and see from God is astonishing to me. It causes me to be fearful. I am, I am afraid. Because 400 years, that means there were so many layers and layers and layers of bondage and so much inner healing that needed to take place within themselves. Therefore, the manifestation of God frightens them more than the bondage they were in. I'll say that again. The manifestation of God frightens them more than the bondage they were in. They were used to being in slavery, but the glory was new to them. There is some work that needs to be done now. Some inner deep work needs to be done on the inside of, of the children of Israel. Because the only thing they've known to do was be slaves and have a master. And now that they see the manifestation of the, of the presence of God, they are fearful. But after 400 years, they, they, they no longer feared Pharaoh. That was their mundane. That, that was what they were accustomed to. That was what they were used to. Glory was new to them. See, we know that people fear darkness. But more than fearing darkness, when you've been in darkness so long, you actually begin to fear real light. And you don't know how to value when real light has come because you've been in darkness for 400 years. And so we don't have, we don't have an issue in church with darkness because we have seminars on darkness. We have conferences on darkness. We have an issue with exposing people to the marvelous light of Jesus. We don't know how to do that. If we were, if we were to eliminate if we were to eliminate, which we're not, because I believe there's a time for that. But if we, were to, if, we were, if we were to eliminate the doctrine of demons and demonology and Satan, if we were to take those, those names out of, our, out of our churches, most preachers won't have anything to preach about. Be, why? Because... Because people know more about darkness than they do about light. They don't, they, they, they know more about their slavery and their life of bondage and, 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 and darkness than they ever do about the marvelous light in the face of God. The face of God is manifest in the person of Jesus Jesus is the face of God. He is, he, is, he is the visible image of the invisible God. People know more about their past than they, knew, than, than they know about their future. Because it's all they've been introduced to. So what's happening here with Israel? What's happening here with Israel is that, that all they've known was slavery. All they've known was darkness. They don't know how to act when light has come. 
They thought this is all we'll ever do. I mean, it's 400 years of slavery. This is all I'll ever do. I'll raise my children in slavery. Uh, the, the, the next generation would be like this as well. All I'm ever going to know is idol worship and, and, and all the things that they did in, in Egypt. How, how many recall the story? And I, I'll just reference this real quick. How many remember the story where when Jesus came off the boat, um, he went to the region of the gatherings and he found a boy possessed with legions, you know, 3,000 to 6,000 demons. They, were, they, they possessed this boy, and this boy was subject to them. It's interesting because when you read that story, there's, 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 two, there's two situations that are happening here all at the same time. The first situation is that there is legion in the boy. But Jesus, Jesus didn't have a problem with legion because as soon as he stepped down from the boat into the ground, the boy ran to Jesus. So no matter how possessed the boy was, he couldn't stop the feet from running to Jesus. Because, because Jesus never lived in fear of darkness. Can I say, can I, can I go deeper? He didn't live in fear of darkness because he never lived in reaction to darkness. He always lived in response to the Father. So when he went to regions, he's not teaching on demonology. He's teaching about the Father. And, 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 and what, how would the church look like? And don't forget, we're still talking about outpouring. So wait. <laughs> How would the church look like? What would the church look like? What would, what would, how much impact would we, would we have if we, were, if we were to live in response to Father, to Abba? And all we go about is talking about him. What if we don't live in reaction to what's happening in darkness, but we live in response to what's happening within the kingdom of light? So when Jesus steps down on the ground, the ground, the ground actually responds to the authority. Hear me, the ground responds to the authority. The boy runs to him, legion, 3,000 to 6,000 demons, unclean spirits respond to one man named Jesus. You know who doesn't respond to Jesus? The religious people. So, so, so the ground responds, he steps down, that ground became holy because of the one who occupied it. So the unclean spirits by default needed to leave the boy's body. Not because he yelled in the boy's face, shook up his hair, spit in his face, put oil on him and called the deacon board, the usher board, the iron board, everybody. No, he, listen, the demons ran out of the boy's body because Jesus just showed up. Because we can never demonstrate in public what we're not living in secret. When you look at the life of Jesus, most of the time he didn't want to be in public. The necessity of people drew him out of the mountaintop where he was spending day and night with his father and training up his leadership team called the, the apostles or the 12 disciples. That's, that's where he spent most of his time in. He lived a life in response to the father. So whenever these situations arose where deliverance and healing and miracles needed to take place, 
these things were done out of an overflow of relationship. It wasn't forced. It wasn't manipulated. It, it, just, it happened. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was just the default of Jesus. He didn't have to switch up his game when he was around them and when he was around his disciples. He was who he was. Because, because when you have integrity, nothing else matters. But when you don't have it, nothing else matters. Catch that. That's, that's who he was. He, he can't help himself. When he steps down, the ground became holy and everything unclean just began to get cleansed by it. The problem was the religious. That was, that was the problem. That was, that was the problem. They were, they were flipping out. See, the deliverance session with the Legion was five seconds. But to... But to to deal with them, we're still dealing with them. <laughs> you, spend, you spend five seconds with demons, but you can spend a lifetime on earth dealing with religious people who live life in a rubric of do's and don'ts, but don't know him. And they are critical with people who do know him. in response to who he is. So the children of Israel are, are in this predicament where they are, they are used to darkness, they're used to the powers of darkness, and they don't know how to, how to respond to the presence of God. And I'll tell you what, it's not just because they were used to slavery. Can I, can I go deeper? It, it was because they weren't invited to the mountain. Well, we're going to get in trouble, but this house, I like this house because I know I won't get in trouble here. There's somebody watching online that's probably going to email me later. Um, they didn't just get afraid or, or, or get full of fear because of their custom of being in bondage. I want you to hear this. They were afraid and didn't know how to respond because they weren't invited to encounter God the way Moses did. Acts chapter 2 says, I want us to see this. Acts chapter 2 says, that when the day of Pentecost arrived, and we don't have to look this up, and I don't want to have to go there and look for another version, but if when we read this in the King James Version, King James Version says, when the day of Pentecost fully came, when the day of Pentecost fully came, because up to there, every feast of Pentecost that was celebrated was not fully, it was partial. The spirit was given impartiality, not preferenced, not, not, not through favoritism. It was given through partiality because Jesus had not just appeared. Jesus has always been, will always be. But he had not come, God had not been incarnated. God had not become man until Matthew. And so everything that was done was done in part in partiality. And we know this because the Holy Spirit was only upon certain, certain ranks of people, prophets and kings and queens and judges. And, you know, we all, we all know that in the Old Testament. And so what, what, what came, hear me, what came 
by measure in Exodus was about to come fully in Acts. I'm going to continue. Come on. From Exodus chapters 19 and 32, let's look at Pentecost in the Old Testament in comparison to Pentecost in the New Testament. Exodus 19 and 32 was the Old Testament. Acts chapter 2 was the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Moses was on Mount Sinai. In the, in the, in the, that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they're on Mount Zion. In the Old Testament, there was fire on the mountain. In the New Testament, there was tongues of fire that came from heaven. Uh, in the Old Testament, the law was given to Moses. In the New Testament, the Spirit was given to 120. In the Old Testament, 3,000 people were slain for worshiping the golden calf. In the New Testament, 3,000 people were added to the church. Thou preach, thou preach by itself. In the Old Testament, the law provided God's teaching for the Old Testament community of believers. In the New Testament, Holy Spirit became the teacher of the new community of believers. Come on, we celebrate that. Here's the problem. Here is, here's, here's the problem here. You can't live the full life of the spirit with Old Testament mentality. Now, now, now let me help because my text this, this evening started in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. There's some things, some gems. But it was a shadow of things to come. The old, you see, the, 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 old, the old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. We cannot understand the fullness of Christos living in Old Testament covenant. And what, and what we've done in the church, and we, we've been talking about this actually for, for a couple of days. Over here in my church, and I talked about it a little bit with Pastor Thomas, there, it, it, there, is, there is this mixture that's happening. Because there is a side that understands the fullness thereof, therefore of Christ. And there's those who, who preach it, don't live it, never encountered it. And so there is, there is no direction in the people of God because of it. You cannot have the full, the full Holy Spirit without the full revelation of Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, it was one man that went up. Can you imagine that Pentecost was celebrated by one man on one mountain with God so that the children of Israel, here it is, the children of Israel only received the residue of what was on Moses. Can I, can, can I take you somewhere? Come on. And this is not, this is not in, my, in my PowerPoint. It's just the Holy Spirit. So I want you to follow me there. 1 Corinthians 13. You said take my time. You can't tell me that. Second Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians 3.13. Let's go here. Second Corinthians 3.13. Hmm. Come on. Second Corinthians 
or really out of the ESV. It says, 3.13, it says, But not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites may not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to a what? What was being brought to, the, to, to an end, not the glory of God, what was being brought to the end were two things, a covenant that was ending and a new one was beginning. The second thing that was brought to an end, that no longer would you have to veil your face. Now, now, now I, need, I, I, need, I need us to see this. It said, that's, that's verse, verse 13. Now, if we go to verse 12, it's going to give us context for text. Verse 12 says, it says, since we have such a hope, what hope? Jesus. Since we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It says, not like Moses, who will put a veil over his face so that the Israelites may not gaze at the outcome of what was coming to an end. Let me say it to you another way, because what Paul is actually telling those in Corinth is that Moses had to veil his face, not just because the, a covenant was coming to an end, but because the glory was fading. The glory was fading because it was impartiality. It was temporary because for his face to shine again, he would have to go again and again to Mount Sinai. The reason, you can find this in Exodus 34, the reason Moses has to veil his face, we oftentimes read this and say, man, because his face was so brilliant, he was going to scare the Israelites and they were going to be so astonished. No, he veiled his face because he couldn't admit to them that even though this was glorious, it's fading. So let me cover my face because in some way, somehow, he was either doing it to protect himself he was doing it to protect God. I don't want them to look at me like the man of God at the hour whose glory is fading. But I also don't want them to look at God as if God does things in partiality. So let me veil myself instead of admitting that this is not the way it's always going to be. But Moses didn't know that because that's all Moses knew. Verse, verse 14 says, but their minds... Their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, verse 15, he says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Verse 16, this is a scary thing right here, verse 16, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's the scary part. The scary part is that when you come to the Lord, the veil is removed. The scary part is that there is a bunch of church folks who have said they've came to Jesus, but they have veiled faces. Verse 17 tells us that now the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
from where is their freedom from? Not just from your sin, not just from demons, not just from your bad habits. There's freedom from a fading glory. So that now you can live and walk in the fullness of the spirit and you don't got to fake the funk and fake it until you make it. Come on, you walk with the glory. You shower with the glory. You behold the glory. Come on, you... Everywhere you go, the glory of the Lord is there. You don't have to veil your face. God wants to deliver us from this fading glory mentality. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And then, and then verse, verse 18, verse 18 tells us. It says, and we all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. <laughs> you see, this is New Testament. They couldn't talk about, they couldn't talk about, you here want to be like Moses. And he's like, you got something better than him. I want to see fire fall from heaven like, like Elijah. Then you stay with that if you want to. The fire that fell came here. Nothing else needs to fall. Nothing else needs to come. We have come to Mount Zion. Come on. That's what the Bible says. It's here to stay. It's here to stay. What's the problem between our ears? It's the mind. The problem lies here. The problem lies here. Here is, here is the issue. Here is the issue. Right here. Our minds. Our minds. Moses did what most Christians do. They cover it up for that no one can see that the glory is actually fading. The old covenant, the old covenant was not a bad covenant. It's, it's only an inferior one to the new. How many got that? It is, it is inferior to the new. That, that's, that's the way it was. So Moses, Moses, is, Moses is on the, on the mountaintop. And people of God are hearing thunder and Moses is hearing God and they're they're going distance they're going a distance they're they're going far from him and far from the mountain because nobody wants to be a part of something they're not invited to you want to feel invited to the glory fest that's happening but the only thing you're getting is a misinterpretation of what's happening because it's not about you. It's about one man named Moses that's leading a people who are messed up in bondage and slavery. I mean, as Moses is on the mountaintop, they, are, they took all the jewelry that was given to them from their neighbors 
God says, you won't leave empty-handed. They took all of that and they built a golden calf because it was the last image of a God that they had. What happens is when we exclude people from the glory of God, they go back to their old idols. There's no partiality. He's not a respecter of persons, the Bible says. When you read the book of Acts, you're going to find out that right there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when it fully came, within the realm, within the 120 that, you know, if you study history, it says that it was 500 people that started in the upper room. 120 stood, they remained. Within the 120, there were multiple, there were multicultural ethnicities and generations and races, and they were all there. When the Holy Spirit came down, was poured upon them, and they, and they, were, and they were baptized. They, they were submerged in Holy Spirit. The tongues that they began to speak, the people heard it in their native language. Remember that? So as they're speaking in tongues, we would hear that and say, what in the world are you saying? You're talking, you know, Paul says he's talking mysteries. But the people that were around them, they, they, heard, they didn't hear tongues. They heard a message. Doesn't it sound familiar? The children of Israel didn't hear God, didn't hear the gospel. They, hear, they heard thunder because it was a faded glory. In the New Testament, when they're talking in tongues, they're not hearing thunder. They're hearing the gospel of the kingdom in tongues. Because nothing is wasted in the kingdom. And I got a problem when we can come and gather and just speak tongues and get slain, and there's not no one who's getting the gospel. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're having a glory fest, but to the people who don't know what's happening, they're, they're feeling excluded. I, I'm trying to get the language for this because I got it in my heart, but Lord help me. And we see that happen in church. And, 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 if we, and, and if we are not careful, if, if we are not careful, we'll be just like any other cult. I know, I know. Again, I said, treading some deep waters here, but it, this, is, this is what the Lord has been speaking to me. The difference, the difference between God's people and those who are part of whatever organization, cult, or the difference, the difference is transformation. The difference is transformation. Everyone seems to have the truth. Everyone seems to know where they're going, which way they want to go. I think we have a responsibility to invite people to know him beyond an experience, beyond encounter. See, Pentecost was a festival. It's a festival. I, I need to, I want, I want you to hear me. Pentecost was a festival that turned into an experience. It wasn't meant to just stay as a festival, and it wasn't meant to stay as an experience. It was meant to become a lifestyle. It was meant to be called a 
lifestyle. That's, that's what it is. I, I am not Pentecostal. Let me help you. I mean, I, I say that all the time. Because, you know, well, I'm, I'm not Pentecostal. Pentecostal is a festival where spirit-filled people come and celebrate and commemorate not the birth of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost was not the birth of the Holy Spirit. It was the birth, it was, it was the birth of the church. <laughs> so when, when I say I'm Pentecostal, what I'm saying is I'm just as, as, I'm just valuable as, a, as any old festival or celebration. The festival of weeks, the festival of harvest. I, I, am, I am a spirit-filled follower of Jesus. That, that's, that's what I am. And the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. That's not when the Holy Spirit was birthed. No one, the Holy Spirit was never born. He's always been. He's the third person of the Trinity. But he is the manifested expression of the Godhead on earth. Working the, transform, the, the transformative power in the life of every believer. So it doesn't stop. How many got that? How many are following me? I want to I, I wanna key in on one word here, which is where I got my sermon this evening. The word rush, the word rush. And I want to define this word rush. This word rush means to move with urgent haste, dash toward someone or something in an attempt to capture a sudden, quick movement toward something. That's the, that's the word rush. And that's literally, that's the, that's the Webster's Dictionary. We go into Hebrew. The word rush in Hebrew means to advance, prosper, make progress, succeed, cause to prosper, be profitable. It changes the entire, the entire word. Because you look at it as rushed, as in a hurry. God's never in a hurry. And neither, neither am I, so just fasten your seatbelts. I'm staying, I'm staying in Newark tonight, so I'm good. I, I'm driving back to, to, to South Jersey, so. Come on, if we take our time, we can do it right. So it changes the whole... The whole, the whole context of that word, because it's not saying we're in a rush. It's not, I mean, it's not saying that we're in a hurry. It's not saying that we're dashing forward something. And, 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 and we, you know, it, it's, it's denoting advancement. It's talking about prosperity. It's talking about progress. In other words, there are, there are other words that are used for rush. Another word is break forth. Break forth. It's to break forth. Another word that we see in the Old Testament specifically is and the spirit came upon him mightily. And then another version says, it came upon you mightily. And we can see that in Judges, Judges 14, Judges 14, verse 19. It said, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their what? Their spoil. Come on, somebody, come on. We, we, got, we, got, we got to know this. God wants to prosper us. And gave the garments to those who had the riddle. 
in hot anger, he went back to the father's house. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Another version would say, and it came mightily upon him. But what happened in the book of Acts chapter 2? What happened in the book of Acts chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit came down and came suddenly as a mighty rushing wind. Hey, we serve a God that's not in a hurry, but he's in a rush. What are you talking about? That, that sounds paradoxical. Yeah, it does. I know. He's not in a hurry. He's not trying to get somewhere fast. He's in a rush. And it's interesting because God is portrayed as, as, as just a loving, patient, tender, compassionate father taking his dear time with his children. But that's the Father. God, Holy Spirit, is not like that. There's a side of God that comes in a violent, suddenly rushing way. In Acts 2, the Spirit of God came in like a rushing, violent one. Hear me, please. Because this word in, in, in his nature is prophetic for this house and for this hour. When you talk about rushing, it indicates haste. It, 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 it talks about coming swiftly. It talks about mightily coming upon you. And I got to think, Pastor Roe, about this. And, and you're going to like this. Look. When I, when I thought about rushing, a God that's rushing towards me, um, we can tend to think of it as something violently that's happening. And in essence, it is. I said, why would God want to rush at me? Why would God want to do this in a violent way? And then I understood that when you rush violently, it's, it denotes passion talks about a drive, talks about a, a heavy desire, talks about passion. The, Matthew 11 says that the kingdom suffers violence, violently take it by force. That word violent has a, has a, has a root word in Greek that's not just talking about aggressiveness. It actually denotes someone who's passionate. What if, what if God's rushing at you tonight because he's passionate for you more than you're passionate for him? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus, I feel him in this house. What if, what if the reason you say you love him is because he loved you first? What if you never really found him? What if he always knew where you were? What if you never really initiated the pursuit? It was always him. What if grace became the hunter and you became the prey? And we know this is true because the times where I've told God, I don't want to do this anymore. But he comes at me. 
He rushes towards me. He, he dashes towards me. And even in your season of discouragement, God is teaching you, you're not pursuing me. Don't ever think that it's about what you can do by your own strength, by your own effort. Even in your season of toil and working and effort, he said, it's not in your fretting. It's not in your striving. I'm the pursuer. I'm the initiator. Before you can ever say, mama, Google gaga, I formed in your mother's room. I loved you. I separated you. I consecrated you. You're not the one that initiates this love relationship. It is I and I sustain it all by myself. Paul said, I press forward. He actually says to the one who first apprehended me. I've been arrested in Christ and I can't get away from it. I've been captivated by the beauty of who he is. I'm his, I'm his, I'm his. John 10 says, and whenever you've been snatched from the hand of the thief, you'll never go back. So that I didn't choose him, he chose me. passionate he's rushing at me he's rushing at me he wants me the problem is we have this we have this victim consciousness i feel the anointing of the holy spirit in this house it's, it's heavy and we're, and we're gonna lay hands in about 12 and a half minutes they keep, they keep on resetting the timer might as well turn off the TV. Just turn it off, man. What you doing? We rushing in. Okay? We have this victim consciousness. We have this sin consciousness. But we don't have this love consciousness. And that's what's going to change you. That, that, that's what's going to change you. Butterfly doesn't become a butterfly because it, it, it frets and strives. A butterfly becomes a butterfly from its cocoon stage because it's been wired in its DNA to be a butterfly. The butterfly doesn't have to think to become what it's already been destined to be. So that when it's in the cocoon, it's not saying, man, how much more am I going to be here? Maybe if I pray a little more, I can hurry this cocoon process up. Yeah, right? It, it doesn't do that because it, it, it trusts in the way it was wired, the way it was designed. And in church, we have, we have this sin consciousness. We're always made aware of our sin and always being made aware of the thought life that we carry and the things we do wrong what if we were to awaken the love affair what if what if we were to be conscious and aware that we are part of a love fest between father son and holy spirit what if the reason he poured out his spirit was not just because we tarried in a room but because he loved us. I 
I was reading a book. Well, we were reading a book in our in in our school of ministry, and 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 the book had had one. Or the whole book is powerful in essence. But there was this one line in the book. There was one line in the book, and it says, and it says, "What if?" And I'm paraphrasing it because we often talk about the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and how its power. Praise praise God for that. If anyone knows me, I just want to give this side note. If anyone knows me. I live for prayer sessions. I would have gone to the Dominican Republic had I been invited. <laughs> I love you. I'm just joking. I know. I'm not there yet. I'll, I'll get there with you guys. I'll get you. But I got my revenge. I didn't invite you to the men's camp. <laughs> And um, so anyone knows me, I mean, I live to be in God's presence. But something in me has changed these last couple of years because I no longer am in his presence because I want something. I live in his presence. Let me, let me say it this way because I don't know what else to say. How I say I live in his presence because I live in his presence. Why? I don't know. I didn't have to do anything to get there. He became, I became his resting place. The very day I, I got saved, he saved me. I became the dwelling place. And the book said, the book said, book said, what if the reason you're anointed is because of unconditional love? I said, I mean, I, I began to cry internally because I was reading in the class and obviously I didn't cry. But inside, I was like, wow. He said, what if? What if, what if you're not anointed because of the price you think you pay? What if you're anointed because of the price that was already paid? What if you live with this so ever-present consciousness of this is who I am because of what he did for me. So that my anointing is not predicated if I made it to a prayer meeting. Or because a life hit me so hard, I, I went through a season of despair and discouragement. What if I'm anointed because of unconditional agape love? that has no strings attached, no terms and conditions. I believe, based on what I've experienced, that the most anointed person is the person who understands that they're eternally loved. And, and, and hear me, and you may never prophesy to anyone that let me help and let me deliver you from this. You may never stand on here and preach a, a sermon in your life, but let your life demonstrate what agape looks like. Because anointing, that's what happened on Pentecost. You know, anointing, anointing, anointing in, in in the old Hebrew 
it, it means to rub on, to smear. Smear, to rub on. I, I am anointed today. If you have Jesus, you are anointed today. Because he's rubbed off on you. He has smeared his blood on you. It, 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 it's on you. You carry, you carry who he is. I'm going, I'm, I'm going quickly. I'm, I'm going quickly, quickly, quickly. First uh, Samuel 10, 6 says that when, that when the spirit rushed over Saul, he began to prophesy, which indicates that when God rushes upon you, even Saul's begin to prophesy when the spirit rushes over you, when he comes over you like a mighty wind, things that couldn't happen before begin to happen. The rushing wind of the spirit was an indicator of his, one of his manifestations. And I believe one of the things that the Lord had told me and ministered to me during this past week is he said, I am bringing my church back to a place where they will be led by the wind of my spirit and not by the winds of what's, of what's happening and occurring in our postmodern culture. I am bringing back my bride. I'm bringing back my church to a place where they are led, they are moved, and they are directed. Come on by the winds of my spirit and not the winds of what's happening in our culture some and and this was very very prevalent it was revealed two years ago up to now some are moved by the fear of plagues and the fear of viruses some were moved by it some didn't go anywhere some some stood home some are still home and so we have been moved by the winds of what was happening in our culture some are being moved by their own conspiracy theories and what's happening in government, what's happening in politics, and, and what they believe is next. Some are being moved by the wind of vaccines. I can only hang out with the vaccinated. And some are saying, I can only hang out with the unvaccinated. Come on, can I preach a real tonight? We are moved by all types of things. And we, when we turn on the news and when we turn on social media, we're moved by the winds of what our eyes are perceiving. But I'm telling you, God is shifting the winds in this hour. God is bringing a new sense of direction over our lives, over our ministries, over our marriages, over our families. We will no longer be moved by the winds of this culture that says we don't need God, we don't need prayer. We, are, we live in a world that is totally opposing who God is in its nature. They say, I am, I am. I'm bringing back my church. I'm bringing back my people, my, my children, to a place where they are moved again by the winds of my spirit. See, before the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, before the prophet was able to see dry bones being raised up to be a great army, an exceedingly army, the Bible says he needed to call the spirit to come from the four winds of the earth. Because there are some things that won't be aligned without the wind. There are some things that won't come into connection, into connection without the wind. You can't connect the body without the wind. Let me tell you, the church is not just a nonprofit organization. The church is not just a 501c3 nonprofit. The church is the body of Christ. And the spirit is the life of the body. Come on. And without 
the winds of the spirit. We become just like any other nonprofit in our city. But we need more than ever the spirit of God to blow in a fresh way upon us. He'll blow fresh ideas. He'll blow flesh ministries. He'll breathe upon us. Come on, we need the wind of the spirit. There's some places God won't take you without the wind of his spirit. And I believe there is a time of refreshing coming upon God's church. And there is going to be a local expression of an eternal God throughout our city, throughout our region. We're going to see God do greatness. We're going to see God do exploits because we've been loved and lavished and rubbed off and smeared on the anointed love of God. John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. See, the Holy Spirit, we're talking about outpouring, right? The Holy Spirit is a, is a teaching ministry. What's the ministry of Holy Spirit? It's the teach. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27, but peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And he'll bring, like the Holy Spirit will bring you. How many have ever got those, those spirit reminders? Come on. Come on. They got those spirit reminders. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings to remembrance everything that Jesus taught you. You know what the Holy Spirit does? Come on. What he does is he brings Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to your remembrance. He brings the gospels to life. Without the Holy Spirit, we won't know Jesus. I, I, I love, I love Pastor Rowan. I love Pastor Jordan. I love these men and women of God that are here, but you didn't come to Jesus because of them. Holy Spirit drew you out of the pit. Come on. Is there anybody that knows he took me out of the miry clay when I couldn't get it right? When I was in therapy and I was in a psychiatric home and I was in an overdose and I was an alcoholic, it wasn't a church, it wasn't a religion, it wasn't an organization, it was the Spirit of God that led me to Jesus and it was in Christ that God was reconciling the world back to himself. Thank God for good preaching, thank God for good teaching, but don't forget it was the Spirit that brought back to birth, to remembrance, the words of Jesus. Show me a church that does not make room for the Holy Spirit, and I'll show you a church where Jesus is not being preached. Because it is the Holy Spirit that brings to remembrance Jesus. When you, when you, when you tend to forget about Jesus, Holy Spirit brings him back to you. When I forget where I came from, Holy Spirit reminded, uh-oh, don't forget. When I'm lost and I'm drowning in the worries and the anxieties of life and my children are, are going crazy at home and they're rebellious and you have an alcoholic husband and you got a wife who doesn't serve the Lord, come on. When all those things come at you all at once, Holy Spirit reminds you fear not that's what jesus said he reminds you ephesians 4 verse 14 you can stay standing because i'm wrapping this thing up 
Ephesians 4.14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in, deceit, in, in deceitful schemes. Here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say. He says, my win is not just a manifestation of my glory, the touch of my presence. My win is teaching. I need us to know that the word wind of the spirit, the winds of the spirit, we oftentimes just think about getting, getting, getting wrecked in the spirit. Getting, and I'm telling you right now, I'll be on this floor for four or five hours just crying and Lord, deliver me right now. Lord, do whatever you need to do. I love being slain. I love fire tunnels. I love getting laid in. But I'm telling you, if none of that produces a deeper level of maturity when I get up, He wants to teach us. The Holy Spirit wants to mature the church because more than ever, we need mature believers. We need a healthy church. There's a world that is dying and the world, and, and, and the world is looking for a church that is healthy enough to bring them to a place of life. Jesus is not just the manifestation of power. It's the manifestation of the teacher. He is the master teacher. When it talks about wind, it talks about breath. That word breath is ruach, right? And, and that's why Paul says every, all scripture is God breathe. It's the wind. It's profitable. What is the word rush is? Rush means profitable. It's the wind of the spirit. When God speaks a word, when God speaks a word, when, a, when, a, when, when words are released from heaven, they come from the breath of God. From God's breath, that Ruach spirit becomes wind. That wind travels. No wonder John the Baptist is a voice that cries out in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness. Nobody is there with him. But as he speaks the God-breathed word, it, 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 it winds. It, it, it goes. You ever heard gone, seen Gone with the Wind? You heard that phrase, or the movie called Gone with the Wind? You ever heard people say, let the, let the wind take your words? It's the wind of the Spirit. And I believe that this next move of God that we're going to see over the church in America is going to be deeply rooted in the teaching ministry of Holy Spirit. He teaches us truth, and he reminds us of the words of Christ. I can't let somebody know tonight, he's rushing in not just to touch you, he's rushing in to teach you. So that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to thrill us, he comes to fill us. Our, pan, our, 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 our Pentecostal charismatic circles, well, what, what we've done for years is we have had an emotional response that many times leads to little to no change or lifelong impact. People cry at the altar, but their lives are not altered. We go back to the things that we picked up, that we left before we came here. And I want to let you know, God is after you. He's rushing. He's passionate. He's desiring you. I'm going to finish with this going to give you the five levels of rushing wind. Number one is the teaching level. And I really heard the Lord say this, these, these five levels are prophetic for Kuhau. 
it's what the Lord said. The, the first level is the teaching level. What does that mean? The Lord, and I'm telling you, everything I have here, the Lord gave it to me precisely. He said, number one is accuracy. I am, I, I am restoring unto the body through this house the accuracy of teaching my word. Accuracy. Number two, it, it, it's sound. It's sound. Accuracy, sound. Healthy. It's a healthy church. It's sound. It's accuracy. It's sound. Sound doctrine. Doctrine that actually heals. It's sound. And then, and, and, and then he says maturity. It's the level of teaching that's going to bring maturity. It's going to mature a body. Number two, it's going to be direction. The second level of the wind is direction. The wind brings direction. Direction speaks of vision. The, uh, direction speaks of clarity. Direction speaks of the future. It speaks of vision. It speaks of clarity. It speaks of the future. Number three. Number three, the word, the, the third level of wind is prosperity. Because the word rush in Hebrew is to prosper, is to be profitable, it's to, it's to, it's to succeed. And this, and this third level of prosperity, the Lord really spoke to me and he said, this is a time for properties, a time for contracts, a time for corporate supernatural generosity. Pastor Roe, I, I, I didn't know that you were going to touch, start an, uh, a giving series. In the last portion of point number three, the Lord says, I am releasing corporate supernatural generosity. There are properties that you've gone to in, in person, face to face. You've demanded that they give it to you. The Lord says, don't stop doing that. You're like, and I just, just, just want to release that as I hear. The Lord says, you're like a child in my presence. You're vulnerable. You don't know anything in my presence. You're teachable. You're flexible. I want you to go to that building. I want you to go to that property. I want you to stand in front of it. I want you to just begin to declare that that's yours. I want you to touch and agree. And here's what I believe. I believe this house, this house is gonna pay it. We're not gonna wait for miraculously God to bring someone. It's in the house. It's in the house. It's in the house. Supernatural, supernatural generosity. Where's it going to come? It's going to come from here. Hey, you with the camera, come here. You were focusing in on me, and the Holy Spirit was focusing in on you. I want you to lift your hands. I want to release this word on you. Somebody take their her, her camera. Yeah, I want you just to lift your hands. And I really believe that this is the time of favor over your life. There's some places, some people you've sown into. And the Lord says, get ready to reap a harvest, my daughter. The Lord says, I am. You're going to be one of the ones that I'm going to use, the Lord says. Even, even for properties and contracts. Because he's going to bless the work of your hands. There's contracts that are coming to you. Let us release. I just release the prosperity of God, the favor of God over your life. In Jesus' name, you are a threat to the kingdom. 
and I am maturing you before your time. And you will advance and you'll say, God, but I've only been in church for such, such and such time. He said, but it's not about how long you've been. It's the quality of your relationship. And I just release right now, the, the hour of the spirit has come. God's rushing over you. And everything you touch would be blessed. I, I, I even see the Lord just bringing me back to dream that you had even as you were a child. Even now, like in the business world. The world of like entertainment. Saw you with that camera, and I just saw like entertainment. I saw like the world of like artists, and and and, and, and I just released that over you, in Jesus' name. You are a creative mind, in Jesus' name. Yeah, just receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Level number four, level number four. There's opportunity. This is the fourth level of the winds of God. There is opportunity. The fourth level of God's wind is that there is a level of opportunity. God said, this is the time for to grow ministries, ministries, ministries. This word opportunity also is, is, is talking about multi-campuses, multi-sites. You can't, you can't personally be somewhere all at the same time, but the church expression can be everywhere. And then it talks about businesses. There are businesses, there are entrepreneurs in this house that God is going to release such favor in this hour. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you are a business person, if you are an entrepreneur here, do not hold back. Do not hold back. He's giving you wisdom to store what he's giving you. And then the, the last thing is missions. I really feel like there is a heart for missions in this house. And, 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 and the Lord spoke to me about certain people who have a heart for missions, 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 trips. We're going to give to missions, orphanages. I don't know what that looks like, but the Lord says he, that's, that's coming. Hope that makes sense to you. Amen. It, that, the, that is the fourth level of the wind of God. It is missions and opportunity the the last level is advancement it's technology it's innovators it's creativity this house has innovators we're going to innovate we're going to we're going to create there's creative minds in this house the lord says even even to the realms of technology i'm upgrading says, i'm bringing upgrades even for for small things and cameras and lighting i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fulfill even every desire of your heart because it's to advance my kingdom and not to advance your empire there's five levels of rushing when the Lord says, this is the hour, says the Lord. It's the hour, says the Holy Spirit, where I'm going to release such a divine direction over this house. And if you want these points, if you want these notes, the media team can, can hand them over to you. I'll release the copyrights. Come on, somebody. I rebuke plagiarism. direction coming clear direction and the Lord says I I have kept your team small it's like a nuclear I kept this small because I'm guarding your heart and there's even some people that you've been dwelling and pondering on the fact of bringing in and 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 and, 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 and making your team larger and bigger the Lord says it's not time for that yet 
there's a core that I that I've connected you with connected you with here and you're gonna build in the future with them because right now it's about the future of you out it's not just about giving opportunity to whatever who, whoever wants to do whatever they want this is this, this is a, a unique a divine time to the Holy Spirit we won't do things in vain in this house we're gonna move in direction we're gonna move with vision says the Holy Spirit Pastor Lee, I just wanted to release his word over you. I was talking to my wife on, on, on the on the way here, and I said, "Hey, we're gonna see, we're gonna hear Pastor Lee worship." I've, I've seen her in live video. I said, "I never knew she worshipped. I never knew she led worship." And I'm, and as I was telling her that, Holy Spirit said, "She's not a worship leader. She just does whatever, wherever I, whatever I put on her heart to do." I, I said, I said, okay, Lord. She said, he said, wherever I place her, she serves with her heart. She's not doing it to be seen. It's a heart. The Lord says, your heart, your, your heart to see this church go further. It's big. It's immense. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, and this is the, this is like a change of direction for you, and God's taking you out of your comfort zone. I, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to tell her to get ready, because the Lord says you, uh, He's going to be, He's 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 going to release an an itinerant agenda. You're going to speak at other places. God's going to use the word that you carry from your own brokenness. You're going to heal others. There is an anointing to teach and preach the word. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you guys to look at her. Because God's about to raise her up in a way that no one's ever expected. It's not about what you know. It's how willing you are to yield to the call. The Lord says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to release. People would know your name, not because you asked for it. But because all you've wanted to do was serve me and love people. Listen, I am going to open the heavens over you. He says, preach. He says, teach. He says, lay hands. I see you packing. I, I see you packing suitcases. I see you going even, even with a group of supportive women that are going to come beside you and, and assist you. You're going you're gonna to travel. You're going to minister. So, Father, we just release that in Jesus' name. And the Lord says, I'll take care of you. Because you're not going to be able to juggle everything, the church and ministry and, and traveling and working. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care of you, my daughter. I've never forsaken you. And I'm calling you to stretch out your borders. Believe me. Believe me. Your womb is open. Your womb is fertile. Believe me, says the Lord. There is a release of heaven coming over you. And even some things that have been concerning you, I'm taking care of them. 
as you release the control and say, I, I trust you, Daddy. Yeah. I, I trust you, Daddy. I trust you, Papa. Nobody has to lay hands right now. You just, just take it, take it, take it, take it. Just take it. Just receive. Just receive right there. Hey, right there. Receive, 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 receive. Just receive it. Just receive it. If you're weary, come on, lift your hands. If you're tired, lift your hands. If you love him, raise your hands. Come on.
have some um, have some time of ministry time if we can. Um, just, just, just want to pray over you, man. I heard the Holy Spirit say, "You didn't come here by your own account. I brought you to to this house. You weren't bribed. You weren't manipulated." hear the Holy Spirit say clearly, he brought you here. You've been brought here. There's some sacrifices that you had to make. But the Lord says, I, I'm not going to honor sacrifice. I'm going to honor obedience. That you're about to reap the results of obedience. But the level of your worship came from a level of pain and process and brokenness. But you said, Lord, all I got is this. And you don't know that all you have is worship and so worship is all you have. And there's been some blow moments in your life where that's all you've had, man of God. Two things, two things that I heard. Let me put on my glasses right so I can see you, Pastor. Can't really see you. I'll see you smoke. You're so anointed. I'll see you just smoke, bro. God's gonna make a way. God's gonna make a way, and I don't know what His position. I don't know what He does here. I know He's on piano, and but God's gonna make a way where we're gonna be staffed as 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 worship here. He's gonna make a way for that because that's why God brought Him here. I don't know where He came. I don't know if He came from another city, another state. I don't know where He's from, but God brought Him here for that reason. He's been, a, he's been assigned to take this, this, this place in the realm of worship to, to the next place. God's going to make a way financially because one of the levels of the winds is corporate supernatural generosity. 2022 is going to be one of your biggest years in giving, Pastor. And you're going to be able to set up, I, I just keep hearing like budgets, you're going to be able to set this up to, to staff people like him. with the year of release. You'll be, you'll be on Apple Music. You'll be on Spotify. It says release them. Release them. Your gift is going to continue to make space for you. It's going to set up you, your family, children. I just release right now that this is the now of God over you.
just want to say we're going to step into a time of ministry. We've been praying for this moment. And I, this is not our normal service. Our normal service usually finishes at uh, at least a quarter to six. And it's almost a quarter to seven. And so um, I want to respectfully excuse anyone that has to go. We, wanna, we don't want to hold you hostage. So this would be the time that if you feel like you have to go, you know, we don't, you know, sometimes you're in your seat, you're like, oh, when is this going to end? I got to go and watch the football game. But this is the time. We want to pray you, God. We want to bless you. Uh, you're more than free to go at this time. Um, but many of us are going to remain here because there's going to be an impartation that's going to take place. Pastor, you feel free to flow as you, as you feel led. 